2: This is the Manchester Football Social with Blue Moon Rising. Coming up on today's show, we've got uh, the, the race with Liverpool. And how's that going? FFP. And we've also got my favourite, the War Chest, Pep Spending. Who should we go out and buy this summer? Enjoy, subscribe. You know what to do. Manchester City Football Social with Blue Moon Rising.
1: Good evening Manchester and welcome to the Manchester City Football Social with Blue Moon Rising. Uh, This is the show for the pride of Manchester, the only football team to come from Manchester and that of course is Manchester City and we're going to be talking about the Blues from 6 till 7. Luckily for you lot, you won't just be listening to my dulcet tones, we have got... Three this week, yes. Three special guests in the uh, studio. Starting with regular number one was Mr. Walter Smith. Good evening, Walt. Good evening. How are you? All right, mate. You okay? Ah, oh, I feel like uh, you know Titanic, where he's stood at the front of this, yeah, with his arms open. Which wide. am I? Am I Kate Winslet? Or? You certainly are. Awesome. Wind blowing through our hair. Oh, mate, <laughs> you've got the hair for it, though. I've got to say. <laughs> and of course, uh, we have got Alex Hilton in the studio as well. Good evening, Alex. Hi there, Danny. You feeling good? Good, good, mate. Yeah. And we have got a very special guest there. Particularly as we uh, we go through the show, one of our um, one of our subjects is going to be financial fair play and how it might affect city. So. Who else to bring in than the man, the master on this subject? We have got, uh, most people know him as possibly Press Switch Blue, if you're a blue out there, we have got Colleen Savage in the studio.
3: Good evening, Colleen. Good evening. It's a bit of a come down this, because I was talking to the Sunday Times just before. Do you spot. mean, you do know, mean I, come I up, come I on. Can do, I can do the common touch.
1: <laughs> okay, well, uh, we're going to get Colleen's fault, particularly in another section of the show. Uh, we're going to talk about FFP. A little bit later, we're going to be talking about Pep's shopping list, who should be on the shopping list if FF, FFP doesn't uh, kick us in the uh, you-know-what but in the first section we're going to speak about the running I mean obviously nine games to go in the Premier League I can't believe how quick that's gone boys can you nine games to go that's it well City win all nine, City will be champions. Again, it's just, I love it,
2: me. I, I love the fact that Klopp, I mean, we were all singing Klopp is cracking up and he proves to be the case. He's having arguments with ball boys. You can imagine him having arguments at home, arguments on the way back to the tunnel, arguments with the traffic lights on the way to work. <laughs> he's proper cracking up. And what I love about it is that he said this idea of he's not bothered about being behind, He sounds like, you know, the kid at school who tries to ask someone out and gets dumped and he goes
1: well yeah, that was not me. well I, 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 <laughs> he think... says I wasn't going to be surprised then
2: oh, if that was your response wasn't
1: it it's very much the case of you all see it I'm not
2: bothered anyway as the tears roll down his cheek.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, so, I, 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 I think it was a masterstroke of his to get the team to lose a few games and draw a few yeah? so they could be behind us at the beginning of March to put That's the it. pressure on because otherwise you know the, the simple approach would have been to be seven points ahead wouldn't it but no he's much cleverer than that
1: Yeah, another level that guy. Alex, I mean, obviously, uh, the results at weekend, you know, absolutely went our way. I think we've been talking on this show pretty much for the last couple of weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, that it was a two-horse race. And how effectively it is a two-horse race? I think Tottenham are, are pretty much out of the equation. City and Liverpool—they've got quite similar fixtures in a lot of ways in the in the running. But how important was it, do you think, for City to get their noses in front oh, and you know and, and take that point? It's lead. now
4: back in our hands, and um, without wanting to, to tempt fate, it's it, City's to lose, is it not? Now uh, it, it doesn't matter what Liverpool do, as long as we win our games. That's a that's a brilliant place to be in, and this weird sort of sort of mentality that's come out of Liverpool—the whole cult of Liverpool <laughs> FC—that somehow. Wow they're still in the better position of point behind apply that to any other sport (laughs) apply that to like like Formula One you go well yeah but out of the 60 laps 55 laps in you want to be in second place you don't want to be out in front you want to be in second place in the race imagine a boxing match well in round 10 you want to be having a bit of a wobble you You want to
3: be be down down on each scorecard the the, the only sport it applies to is maybe athletics when you've got distance running and you want to be just on the shoulder of the leader going into the last lap when you've done 25 laps but that's about the only sport it applies to
4: Two. All right, Colin, that sounded a bit too much like common <laughs> sense there. But, uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry
3: to spoil the
4: narrative, but, you know. <laughs> you know, it, it's this weird, thinking, uh, the whole idea that um, you wouldn't want to be ahead in the race, I think it's, uh, no, well, it's, it's gobbledygook to me. I think City have done, uh, they've just sort of run their own race, they've kept quiet, they've, uh, you know, we sort of wrote Liverpool off in January as it was theirs, it was their title, and we've got on it, we've won our games, and we look strong going in. Uh, even when we've not performed at our best, such as the Cup final, we've still ground out results, whereas... Liverpool, you know, the ship isn't sailing as, as tightly as you want it. To, they don't look like a team that are going to win the championship, put it that way.
2: No, I love that word, gobbledygook, because I was thinking of cloppity-duke. <laughs> you know, he's just... I, I mean, without getting overconfident, I remember when we won it in 2012, the Aguero moment. I'm sure we all remember that. And uh, what I did was I went back to when we got beat against Arsenal and it was, United were eight points ahead and I listened to the Man United podcasts on a long drive, and it was fantastic.
1: God, you must have been desperate for content.
2: No, it was brilliant. It was one of the (laughs) best podcasts, because they were celebrating, they were cheering, it was all over, that was it, you know, the fat lady had sang, and they were celebrating as they were, and just to go back and hear that, and then know what happened. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) So, what I would say is, One Point Ahead is fantastic, but We've always just, you know, it's a long
1: road still to go. You know, it's business end of the season, but it's still a long road to go. Yeah, I think you've got to look at that, Colin, are not you, as well? You know, we've been in that scenario where we were written off six, you know, six games to go, eight points behind. It it never, ever looked like we were going to win the league that season. But it just goes to show you in the Premier League how things can change. Now, a point gap with nine games to go, you know, it's not exactly an unassailable lead. However, however, you would say... You know, just I think from being in and around the club, being there on match days, the aura around City at the minute is yeah. just unbelievable. And it's led by Pep Guardiola. You know, you look at this guy, everything he says, everything he does, he he just instills confidence, I think, in, in the players, but also the fans. But I'm not gonna saying sitting here now and we're gonna get into this a bit later in terms of looking at the fixtures I'm not gonna say we're gonna win all all nine, but you know what? Liverpool are gonna to have to get a big total, I think, to, to, to take us over this season.
3: I, well, I think they are. And I think this is probably the difference between Pep and Klopp, as we were talking about before. You know, we're having a bit of a laugh at Jürgen's expense before, him and his him and his wind, when you're giving the weather forecast, you know. Um, <laughs> I did get but, windy in there as well, actually, Pep's yeah. had that experience, haven't he, of taking teams in on the running. And, and you just get the impression that Klopp just panics a bit. He hasn't got the right mindset to get them over the line in the same way that Pep has with us and, and, and Mancini had with us and but he has done it alex hasn't he you know
1: i mean we don't let's not forget Klopp was the manager at dortmund and and it was almost like a foregone conclusion season in season out that Bayern Munich were going to win the league and he upset the apple cart a little bit yeah, so he
4: has been through that process of, of seeing Klopp. it out this is Liverpool Klopp and I agree Liverpool yeah. have infected yeah. Jurgen Klopp um, <laughs> <laughs> because I'm, I'm, I really think this is that every football club has a mentality that surrounds it and I think Liverpool um, it, I, I'm not here to criticize Liverpool off for an hour but I think uh, we don't mind <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> that's, 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 that's no, it's because Liverpool are a massive club, and they've you know they've got a real history of winning stuff. And there's that whole like culture and years and years and years of stuff, and that that's awesome. But in recent history, it's a club that that's got used with accepting failure and accepting being nearly men. And that that this whole weird culture of excuses that Klopp has come out with this season is the fan base have accepted it, and they've gone, yeah, that's a good point, Jurgen. Yeah, that's a good point, Jurgen. And they're asked more questions. They're asked more questions of no. him in the same way that Dortmund fans did. They go, well, that wasn't good enough. We want. Better, we expect better. We're going for a title race. The way they're doing now with their manager, because I don't know if you know, it's but in the Bundesliga. Dortmund are at risk of blowing blowing the lead over Bayern Munich. Um, you know, the fans are getting stressed, and they're talking about throwing the Champions League away because they expect better. Liverpool fans aren't doing that of Jurgen Klopp. They're not going. We lost. Uh, we, we drew the derby, and it feels like a loss. And we've we've lost our lead in the title race. They're going, well, what, didn't Van Dyke play well? Didn't Van Dyke play well? And it's like they are looking at the positives, and I I appreciate a positive fan base, but they're not putting pressure on the manager. And Klopp is, is letting himself into that kind of like that that. B club mentality of it's okay to be nearly men because the fans and the club will let it go because didn't we do do well coming second and that's the mentality of him and this the whole sort of attitude of Jurgen Klopp in that interview when he was talking about it's not PlayStation it's not PlayStation look at Man City they had 900 shots and they only scored one should I bring an extra striker on who are you to question my mentality so it reminds me of Newcastle United's Kevin Keegan. I would love it if we beat them. I'd love it if it wasn't windy. I'd love it if Man City have nine hundred. I'd love it if it was PlayStation football. That's who he sounds like. And like, I think you're right, Walter. You know, he does sound like he's cracking. He does. It say, does sound it, like it, he's it, cracking. It, it feels weird being a Manchester City fan that we're the big evil club that is cracking on with it, winning games comfortably. I say this now, watch us lose at the weekend, but winning games comfortably, looking, looking really sort of just comfortable in the leads. And Liverpool are these sort of weird outsiders that don't really know on the title race. It feels weird being a big boys for a change.
3: There, were, there was a lot of them on the forum, on the Liverpool forum, saying, "Oh, if, if you told me we were one point behind the leaders at this stage, of the, after twenty nine yeah. games, we'd be delighted." Yeah, and, and that, that's but what it's what about perspective, mentality. isn't
1: it? You know, you look at you know beginning of the year, the, the nine ten points you know in front of us when you look at that scenario it doesn't look quite the same does it no, you know no, it's, no. A, it's a matter it's of how you view it now. and at what point you do i mean the price of success Walt, He's obviously going to be more games. You know, when you look at Man City, not just the Premier League, you've got the Champions League. What's your take on that? Because I mean, it was something that Jim talked about last night on the show um, with uh, Steve McInerney. That you know, is, do you think it's a positive to have more games when you've got a big squad, keep that winning mentality going, or are you in the camp of you'd like to get the lads off to Dubai for a week or till and, and rest between games? Because I think this is the first time since August that we've actually had a full week off. Um, where we haven't had a game in seven days, which is unbelievable.
2: No, I, if you want to be a big club, you've got to start winning games. And we've just, we've all just been to Wembley, haven't we? We've had a great day out. We've come back with silverware. And no one remembers somebody who finishes second, third, fourth, fifth place. They're interested in silverware. We got told for years and years that you, you've got no history because you've got no silverware. We're building history now. One of the most interesting perspectives for me was um, Sterling was talking about the pressure in 2014 and the pressure in 2018 and 2019 with this close run, and he said that he used to get up in the morning and that's all you thought about was football, football. You'd be going, go, you know, he'd be going out buying your Gregs or whatever he was uh, accused of buying, Badman. And you know, he'd be there, and the person behind the counter would be talking football, football. So there was no escape from it. And it almost overcomes them. And I think that's one of the problems with the Liverpool fan bases. They're so desperate to win this Premier League. I mean, if we lost, we'd be gutted. But we shrug our shoulders and know we'd be in the title race next season. Uh, I mean, I always think of, you've got Klopp there. Remember the memes going round and you've got Brendan Rodgers on his shoulder. And it's like, how am I doing, boss? (laughs) You know, yes, you might finish second again. And, you know, the pressure in 2014 and what Steven Gerrard was... I mean, he's, don't get me wrong, he's a fantastic player, but what he was doing at the time and getting everybody in a huddle and it was it was all or nothing, to quote the documentary. And that's what happened with him and it just became too much. And City just sailed on by with a big cigar and a brandy like going three points, three <laughs> points. You know, you don't lose a 3 nil lead. I was going to say Christambul then at Crystal <laughs> Palace you know you don't if, unless you, the pressure is getting to you and that's exactly what happened Well they
1: there. went for goals that night if you remember because, the, because of the goal difference I think they, they tried to plough more goals in that, that ultimately cost them the title because of you know the fact they got an equaliser when you look at the fixtures Alex uh, I, don't, I think you you you've got the, the fixtures in front of you there uh, uh-huh. which concern you because I mean obviously we know nine straight wins we're going to be Premier League champions and um, Obviously, it's never as easy as that. You look at them games, I mean, obviously, Tottenham's still in there. Palace, who beat us at home, we've still got them in there. Burnley, never easy away. And then, of course, we've got to go to to United and all that. So, which of them games kind of concern you when you look at it?
4: Um... Well, no, I, think, I mean, it's a boring answer, but I think all of them, because all of them are Premier League games. <laughs> all of them are Premier League games. Every team in the Premier League can beat anybody else. It doesn't matter who they are. Even United? Even United. I've seen them win a game. I've seen it I, <laughs> with my real eyes. No, but it's, um, you know, all of them. Obviously, the Derby, United will be dead up for it, regardless of whether the, I know there's United fans saying they'd rather City win the league than Liverpool, but it will still be a Derby on the day, and they'll be desperate to beat us. Um, they, you know, they're playing really good stuff under Solskjaer. They look like a proper serious team. Um, but there's so many. You know, we've seen... We've seen Leicester come to the Etihad and beat us in recent years. We've seen Palace come to the Etihad and beat us in recent years. You know, we know uh, well, how tough these weeks. teams can be and how mm. easy they can up But the flip side is, Liverpool will also drop points as well. I, I, I don't think yeah. either team is going to go nine straight wins. Well, well,
3: if you look at the fixture list, on the 14th of April, Liverpool are playing Chelsea at Anfield and City at Crystal Palace. Now, if you think back to 2014, Liverpool yeah, were playing yeah. Chelsea, Gerrard slip... City then went to Crystal Palace and won. <laughs> I always
2: love thinking about that slip. It's, well, I remember when I was seeing it, I was. I jumped out my chair like a spring chicken. My bat went and I came down like an old man. And I just wasn't bothered in the slightest, because I think we were playing Wolves later that day. and uh, Crystal Palace. Palace, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah Palace, sorry. And, yeah, a few beers sorted out the bad bat, but <laughs> one of my highlights
1: of that season, Stevie G's slip. Suarez cried. Come on, like, you got to yeah. finish the uh, the song off. If you're going to start it, but yeah, I mean, it, but but I I mean, just c- kind of touching back on that, that that fixture congestion. I mean, old Pochettino, uh, he he's kind of almost saying that the FA are not really helping English clubs, particularly when you look at the, the Champions League as well. But when you look at City's fixture pileup, where would say, for instance, they did what like like Ajax, you know, got an extra weekend off so they could prepare for the Barcelona game? Where would a, a City fixture to fit in again I mean it, just with the amount that we've got coming you just can't see where it's, I don't know how they could help us in this situation
4: well yeah that was the weird thing isn't it because it's a weird question to come out with because Spurs have thrown away all their cup games so yeah. it, <laughs> you know it's one of the things it's part of the job of being a football manager is you have to manage players and you have to uh, rotate players and work out who's going to play in which matches and part of that is managing their fitness and managing their stamina and Tottenham haven't signed a player in two windows and he's now moaning that his players are tired and he gotten got enough of them and it's like well do, do the mass potch and don't get me wrong I, I think I would like to see um, as a Manchester City fan I would like to see a winter break because I think it would help us or, or us play less games or they're more spaced out but as a fan of football I don't I'm not a fan of Friday night football I don't think that should be a thing I quite enjoy that there was one night of the week where despite that I love football there was I don't have to worry about you know, I can make plans on a Friday and not worry about if Sky are going to move the fixes around or whatever. And I don't want to see more games played at 10 in the morning to make it easier and that sort of stuff. I like that we play a lot of games of football. I like that there's all sorts of stuff on. And I like the fact that clubs have managed with it. Liverpool managed it last year when they got to the Champions League final. They did alright, didn't they? They managed all the games that England played. They got to the Champions League final. They nearly won it. Man United got to the Champions League. Chelsea got to the Champions League in recent years. English clubs have done fine in Europe and it's a convenient excuse for managers to make. But really, get on with it. It's your job to manage a squad of players.
2: Yeah, I loved it. Uh, did you ever see the All or Nothing documentary when uh, Pep was uh, coaching his players, to put it politely, about this idea of them
1: feeling tired? Do you, it was just a, it was an outstanding mm-hmm. and, he, and he commented on it again in his press conference. You know, I don't think Pep... Colin, he's going to have that as an excuse from the players, is it? Know, it's easy for us guys to say, well, they're on three, 300 grand a week, they only have to play football, you know, I've got to get up at five in the morning you have got to work. I get all that, but these it's more about recovery, isn't it, to yeah, be in yeah, prime yeah. condition for the next game. But I don't i don't think Pep is ever going to have that I'm
3: tired as an excuse. But it goes back to the point we were talking about before, about is it better to play a lot more games or better to have a break? And I think you, you meant when we're playing all these games, all the players are fired up, they're mentally tuned in. And, you know, you hear players say, don't you, I, I can't wait for the next game, I want to yeah. play, I want to play. And you go away to Dubai for ten days, and that kind of, you get out that rhythm, don't you? You lose the mentality, you're sat in the sun. Perhaps you should have gone Stoke on a Wednesday night instead of Dubai.
2: Well, it could. can you imagine the, uh, the the positive feelings? You've been in uh, you know, Abu Dhabi or Dubai, and then you land at John Lennon Airport, and it's pouring down, you're looking out the window, and you're freezing, you're getting all your coats on. All that positivity straight out the window. <laughs> you had me at land at Liverpool. To be fair, that was the, that well. I was thinking of Liverpool landing there. They can land at Manchester Airport any time they want, and other airports are available.
4: <laughs> well, I just think as well. Let's be honest. If there was a winter break, or they got rid of the League Cup and they started having seven-day gaps, we all know that Tottenham and every other Premier League club would be straight off to America to go and play in some sort of friendly against whoever thinking and whatever Mouse and stuff. Trump. You know, so. There's no breaks in football. You get paid a lot, a lot of money to to play football. So yeah,
1: and there's no breaks in football, but there is a break now coming up. Um, so if you want to join us, uh, if you want to get involved, uh, I never, I never even give this out. Shame on me. So give us a drop, us a text eight double seven double one. Give us a call oh three four five triple one seven six two five. After the break, we're going to be talking about FFP and should Man City be scared of it? Uh, and getting on the phone, uh, we've got Sam Lee, but also in the studio Colin, and we're going to pick his brains. So get involved.
2: Manchester City Football Social with Blue Moon Rising.
4: Hello and welcome back to the Manchester City Football Social with Blue Moon Rising. I'm in the studio with wonderful Danny Jackson and Walter Smith and special guest today, Press Witch Blue, Colin Savage. We are talking all things City. Uh, We're going to get stuck into financial fair play in just a second. If you're listening along live, do get in touch with the show. 87711 to text in 0345 111 7625 if you want to get on the phone. And we're in spinning fields. Come round, bang on the window, shout through the letterbox, get in touch anywhere you like. This show is about you. Now, financial fair play. There are all sorts of weird, scary headlines that have been popping up at every paper on every news website about Manchester City are going to get kicked out of Europe, we're going to get banned from signing players, we're going to have points deducted, we're going to have our stadium taken off us, who knows what is going on. Fortunately, we've got a man in the know, Colin Savage. Thanks for joining us. What's going on?
3: Well, (laughs) as you said, there's a lot of scary headlines, but that's what they are, scary. Um, And I don't mean that in the sense that they're serious scary. They're very sensationalised and designed to make us look bad. Now, There is a potential issue, a small potential issue. But you've got to remember, a lot of this stuff dates back to the time when we were actually punished. So we failed financial fair play, 2014, we we suffered the fine and the the transfer cap uh, and the um, number of players we could have in our Champions League squad. That's all gone. So since then, we've been compliant with financial fair play. So anyone trying to get the message across that we're still cheating is the in word being used, we're not. We're compliant with financial fair play. The, the one problem, problem, the one potential problem we might have is that financial fair play, rightly or wrongly, stops owners putting too much money into clubs. So you can only put a certain amount in over a certain period, very small amount. Which is a bit, you can take as much debt as you like. You know, you can go, Spurs are about to take on a debt of about 650 million. No problem with that from UEFA's point of view. But Sheikh Mansour puts 30 million quid in and, it, and it's kind of alarm bells. Doesn't that defy the object of what Absolutely. it was originally set out to do? Absolutely defies the objective. The whole point of financial fair play was to wean clubs off debt, in theory. But of course, it got, we know, it got hijacked along the way. The usual suspects. Uh, you know, Real Madrid have had their sweetheart deals with the Spanish government, United, um all the, the usual suspects with, with with uh big debts, uh the cartel, the old G fourteen, they've all come along and they've said, No, 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 we don't want the d- get get rid of the quietly get rid of the debt. Cause I think Platini's intentions were quite sound initially. But of course these things get, get twisted over time. But so financial fair play is where it is. Um, and it doesn't allow owner investment now. The one potential fly in the ointment we've got is, uh, you've put, if you've been reading these uh, Despigel articles, is that Etihad haven't been paying the bulk of the money they're supposed to have been paying. So, for example, if they've been paying us uh, fifty million a year, for example, only ten millions actually been coming from them, and the other forty millions coming from somewhere else. Now, the, pr- the potential problem we may have is that forty millions come out of Sheikh Mansour's pocket. He's basically getting around the rules by investing his funds that way. But I, I don't think that's the case. I don't think they could... Well, good luck to you, Afer, in tying, him, tying them down to that, actually proving that. But I think... And one of the emails that got highlighted, and this is a very common misconception among some of the journalists and people, it said, His Highness will provide alternative sources of funds. So we, we've got agreements with some of the Abu Dhabi companies, and they're paying us X amount... And His Highness will provide alternative sources of funds for the rest of it. Now, what pe- people think that Sheikh Mansour, it's not. When people in Abu Dhabi talk about His Highness, they're talking about Sheikh Mansour bin Zayed, who's the Crown Prince, the Emir. Because anyone else, if if they were talking about Sheikh Mansour, they would say His Highness Sheikh Mansour bin Zayed. So when they talk about His Highness without any qualification, it's Sheikh Mohammed. He's the, the ruler of, de facto ruler of Abu Dhabi. He's basically the chairman of all these companies of Etihad and um, Arbar. Or I think they're, they're all part of this Mubadala company, which uh, Khalidina Mubarak is chief executive of. So he's the, he's the power in Abu Dhabi. And w- when it says His Highness will arrange alternative sources, that could well be from um, central sources in Abu Dhabi rather than Shake Man's pocket. So, unless UEFA can prove, beyond doubt, that the money's coming out of Shake Man's pocket as the owner, then they haven't got, they haven't got a case, basically.
1: Well, um, I referred to Colin as the Yoda of um, of FFP a little bit earlier. Uh, somebody else who who knows a thing or two about it as well, he's uh, a regular in the studio, uh, our, our Blue Moon Rising colleague, I'm going to call him. Is that all, all right? right? Are we happy with all that? Right. Uh, we've got Sam Lee from uh, Gold.com. Good evening, Sam, how are you? Hello, mate. Yeah, the Darth Vader of FFB. <laughs> <in>. <laughs> You're not the Grim Reaper now. So, so, <laughs> Colin, just there, just to kind of explain a little bit more in detail. what's your thoughts? I mean, is, I mean, very generic question. I mean, but is, in your opinion, FFB something that we need to be as city fans concerned about?
5: No, i it's similar, really. Um, obviously, Colin's given a great explanation for anyone who wasn't aware um, and I mean the likelihood it is at the end of the day nothing probably I mean, nothing's going to come of it whether it whether something should come of it or not it's probably a different issue that we could talk about for hours that depends on which side of the fence you're on but yeah in terms of UEFA investigating it I think there was a there was a case very recently last month I think UEFA wanted to reinvestigate uh, an old settlement they'd reached with and obviously as Colin said there was a settlement with City in 2014 which was the 50 million fine and the squad size reduction in European competition so that was a settlement Um, and Galatasaray took UEFA to court to the court of arbitration for sport and said um, we don't think this is right, you shouldn't be able to look into this again and Cass actually ruled with Galatasaray, so Galatasaray won so in terms of legal precedence and this is all very important because you know, I myself, I'm not an expert on FFP or or this kind of thing but I've spoken to a lot of experts in the the process of my reporting and they were all talking about, you know, the precedent for it. So the fact that Cash ruled that UEFA couldn't investigate old cases only last month, that's that's pretty big. So even mm-hmm. if they wanted to go back, they probably won't be able to. Um, the other side of it is, in terms of complying with FFP, yeah, City have been, if they wanted again to look back at not just 2014, but recent years they would, again, struggle with, with that based on what was in court last week, or last month. And the other thing is, um, Dash beagle they didn't actually say it outright, but they kind of alluded to it. In, in terms of the talk about the way City pay their wages, there was some kind of jiggery pokery alleged via uh, a third party, where effectively the third party kind of pays the wages, and it means that oh, the, the losses don't come out of cities. Books basically, so they can kind of get away with paying large salaries and, and that not come off. Um, UEFA could maybe investigate that going forward, but you know, would City, you know, City would comply with that as they have been with FFP over the last few years by sort their accounts and their auditing and all that? You know, there's, there's no guarantees if there was any wrongdoing there and it's certainly far from assured that there is that City would actually comply with that and there's, I mean there's so many other things that we could go into in terms of precedence and all this but the long and the sure short of it is I'm not sure that anything's actually going to happen regarding this, and if it did, it, it obviously would be a ban from European competition um, rather than a transfer ban because um, the transfer ban is something separate altogether.
1: And, and City obviously, curr- well currently over the last few years, I mean commercially, are a different animal to the one that uh, you know, the club that was taken over originally, so so when we look at for instance the, the latest deal, the 650 te- million 10 year deal with Puma, ha- yeah. ha- how, how much impact does that have in terms of our you know that are standing within financial fair play and you know just out of interest just to get your thoughts how is that because i know it's divided between four clubs the city being one of them four clubs within the group you know have you got the idea of how that you know obviously i'm guessing the vast majority will be accounted for under city's yeah. books but have you got any detail behind that sam or how that how that'll work
5: No, this is something we were trying to find out before the the deal was announced last week and some of my colleagues interviewed Ferrell and Ferrell, but as far as I'm aware, you know, that how the actual split is divided up, that hasn't been made public, and I don't think it will be, but I think the off-the-record guidance is that, yeah, as you say, City get the majority of it, as, as you would imagine, because... In, in, in complete fairness, City are the main pole there. Obviously, Puma would go, oh yeah, we can all, we can all sell these shirts. But obviously in America they can't because there's a, the NOS deal with Adidas so that can't be broken up. So there's, there's not an awful lot to be gained from Puma's point of view other than selling a load of City shirts. So yeah, City will get the majority of that. And in terms of their standing with FFP, yeah, this is worth a lot more than than the old deal was. And you know, this, I mean this one, you would imagine it's kind of inscriptable. The, the problems that a lot of people have Thank <laughs> With City and S.F. Pina, that Middle Eastern sponsors that have some link to the club's owners, but obviously this one it, it certainly appears, you know, completely transparent and completely separate to that. And they paid, I think, what everybody would accept is the going rate because that's the other um, thing that's levelled at City is that all these sponsorship deals are, are trumped up. But you know, this this isn't the biggest sponsorship deal ever. It's not as big as the one United you know. got with Adidas, for example, but it's still very big and it will, you know, contribute a lot of money towards what city you're trying. To
4: do. Um, obviously talking through FFP and all the headlines, and whilst we can say all oh, that they haven't got anything on City and it's probably all gonna be fine, um do you think the club are worried?
5: No, I don't think so. I mean part of part of the whole Despagal thing in the first place and part of the whole outrage that a lot of people had towards City was the fact that um Khaldun al-Mubarak and some of the lawyers were kind of, you know, th- threatening UAF when it came to the settlement which I'm led to believe is fairly normal to be fair, you know, it's a negotiation but they were saying, look, if, if you do this, we'll take you to court and, and you know, they, I think there's some degree of confidence there that FFP wouldn't stand up because it's non-competitive and you know, it, it restricts competition and, and all this kind of thing. But again, having spoken to the, the experts, I don't think I don't think that's actually likely. Or at least, there's a there's a decent chance that FFP would stand up in court. But no, I don't I don't think City are, are overly worried because again, in the other side of it is the UEFA want a big team out out of the Champions League. Um, obviously, you know, they'd probably City fans saying, "Well, UEFA." don't regard City as they do by Munich, United, Real Madrid, clubs like that. But, yeah, that, that is a big part of it. And I, I, I'm not sure City are, are that worried about this particular element. Maybe they are a bit more with the FIFA and the transfer ban stuff.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, in terms of UEFA, Sam, I think, mm. um, th- I don't think they've any interest in taking us on, to be honest. Um because
5: it'll be long it, and costly and,
3: yeah. It, well, if it came to court, the interesting <laughs> thing, if it came to court, people don't realise, obviously these documents have been leaked, the assumption is they've been hacked, stolen. Um, so, so, I don't think that they're admissible in a court of law as they stand. If we were to take UEFA to court, obviously we'd have to put all those documents on the table, but UEFA would have to do the same thing. So UEFA would have to provide a load of documentation on our lawyers' demands, Uh, And I suspect they don't want some of that to come to light. So I don't think the UEFA are interested in taking this forward and are quietly hoping it all goes away.
5: Perhaps so. Although in, in terms of the admissibility of that evidence, whether it's hacked or stolen, the, the, the lawyers I spoke to and the sports, sports lawyers I spoke to, one of which was involved in AC Milan's fight against FFP or their sanction regarding FFP at CAS last year, they all, they all thought, with all, the, all things considered, it probably would be admissible if it came to it. But like you say, it does go back to kind of the appetite of UEFA to actually get into all that.
3: No, I, I don't think we've got the political... And another thing is, just um, it kept, popped into my head, I had a, an, um, a note from one of my contacts this morning that the DuPont case um, has been heard again in Belgium. There's nothing been... Uh, not much has been said on the news, and I could only find one piece in a Belgian newspaper which mentioned it, but, but the, the guy close to the case has told me that there were, it, it's passed and passed backwards and forwards between Belgium and the European Court. Uh, and yeah. people thought it'd been kicked out, but the European Court of Justice had said, no, it's not a matter for us to rule on, it's a matter yeah, for the Belgian right. Court. So the Belgian Court has heard it. There has been a hearing. It's all to do with, uh, tied up with third party ownership, but uh, financial fair play has apparently taken precedence over tpo and the judge has heard it and apparently uh monsieur dupont is quietly confident um that things have gone well so uh, you know watch this space basically
5: yeah another one to keep an eye on them i suppose that's obviously the agent who initially or was he he was taking UEFA to court initially on the grounds that FFP is non competitive, but it yeah. kinda of got thrown out because yeah, Cass said that this isn't one for us. And also I think do they doubt how legitimate his claim was? Because it doesn't affect agents, it affects clubs clubs and players more. But yeah, so if that's if that is being reheard then then that's one to keep an eye on as well. But if, and again if that is the case then the, that would be another precedent on the City side. I think probably the main one is this this Delatasarai one that you can't reopen the old cases.
4: Um, as as much as I'm enjoying this boys we are going to have to very very quickly go to a break and I am glad you're not too worried about the money because after the break we're going to be talking how City are going to spend lots more of it don't go anywhere right back here to Excess Manchester and the Manchester City Football Social
2: Manchester City Football Social (laughs) subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show this is Excess Manchester. Making the right hire is a lot of little things that really add up. How do I know I've made a great hire? I listen for feedback. Plus six points. I'll
5: hear Tony the team couldn't be happier. Plus ten points. Or Tony the team let the air out of your tires. Minus twenty points. Then someone said Tony try Indeed. Plus thirty points.
2: Millions of great candidates worldwide visit Indeed every day and screener questions help me create my shortlist of applicants fast. Post your job today at Indeed.com. Indeed. The world's number one. Job site. SourceCom score total visits. Access Manchester travel
1: With FOW.co.uk Choose from over 1,000 family-friendly used cars The M60 is looking fairly good uh, Not too bad on either side Now, uh, there is an accident on the M62 westbound Just after Junction 20 for uh, Rochdale So if you're trying to get up to the A627M It's that accident, sorry, that junction there Where the accident is late through the outside lane closed On the Manchester bound side um, Sketchy details That's why I probably sound a bit unsure About what's going on here Because we're getting it from Twitter I believe some of the information, so we're trying to get some more official information from the police on that one. Um, it's certainly looking busy anyway, and it's busy coming into Manchester on Chester Road. It's congested uh, coming up to Mancunyon Way. The Mancunyon Way is busy, slow moving around the road which towards Trinity Way. Regent Road coming in through Salford, busy into Manchester. You're heading as far as Haydock Island, um, the M6 Junction 23. The motorway's all right, but uh, East Lanks Road across there is still partially blocked on both sides by an accident. That's the latest. Manchester City
2: Football Social with Blue Moon Rising.
0: you have an Airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host
2: we are the Manchester Football Social with Blue Moon Rising give us a call on 0345 111 7625 give us a text on 87711 or even tweet at MCR Football Social. I'm here with three legends. I'm here with Danny Jackson, Alex, and I'm here with Colin Savage. Now, this is my favourite part of the show, straight back into the football. And uh, as a kid, you used to always get excited at those two words when you heard your club had a war chest. You knew you were going out to splash the cash. And in recent times, Manchester City have been able to do that far more so than they used to be able to do. Now, Pep was talking about three or four players coming in this summer. And, you know, with our track record over the last few years, you know they're going to be good. I'm also thinking that we should be strengthening. What areas should we, be, should we invest in, should I say? And uh, we put it out on Twitter today, and it was quite a few good suggestions that came back. Now, Danny, out of all those names that sort of uh, were flying around Twitter that might be coming to our club in the summer, which one caught your eye? Well,
1: there's a few. I um, I've written down who I'd like to see uh, in the blue shirt next season. And looking at some of the, uh, the the responses on Twitter, a lot of them are are absolutely on my wavelength. Well, um, Ooh, like for it. me, for me, Aaron Wamba Basaka from um, from Palace is just a, a Rolls Royce. He's a future quality. Quali- I mean, he's already got. Is it the most um, uh, tackles won uh, this season in Europe? You know, this is an 18, 19 year old kid. Bags of pace. I remember seeing him uh, when Palace beat us at home and was just unbelievably impressed by him. I mean, what what a player. Obviously, we're going to have to start I mean, it hurts to say, doesn't it? We're going to have to start looking, you know, for a Ferner replacement at some time. Indeed. Uh, I, uh, I'm a big fan of Von Dembele from, from Lyon. I think we watched him in the Champions League against us. I thought he ran the show. I thought he was absolutely sublime and somebody who, for me, would fit into that mould of, of Fernandinho. And I'm going to be boring and, and throw another name into the mix. Um, I, ben Chilwell from from Leicester. I think we're definitely going to be looking at another left-back. I mean, Benjamin Mendy's injury record, obviously, has. It, as it is, is a bit concerning. So someone like Chilwell, who, who consistently plays, but looking on, looking at some of the responses on here, a lot of them names have been have been mentioned. We've got uh, at at hat hero. He's got wambasaka Chilwell, delight on Dembélé. Uh, we've got um, uh, landagren who's gone with on Dembélé, Chilwell, delict, and Uwe. Uh, then we've got others, delict, and on uh, on Dembélé, Chilwell, Jovic, um, Maguire Kante, Rice and Sean Golter from John Walker yeah. underscore 1986 <laughs> now that bring the goat back what do you reckon about that but but i mean there's some common names there Alex do, do any of them stick out for you have you got have you got some new ones to throw into there's the mix a few.
4: i've got a couple of new ones i've got a few ones. um uh, there's yeah ondembele like you say he's the one that keeps popping up every few weeks as there and we keep hearing more things about him coming out of france and um he's a really exciting player youth on his side um looking to the Premier League it, it might seem a little bit um oh I don't know like the popular choice flavour of the month but uh, Declan Rice
1: oh you know, yes he's, I mean,
4: decent it, yeah, a really exciting midfield player and he, he's got a little bit of versatility in his locker and um uh, these players, young English players, have half a season and they come up and they're going to be the next best thing and then they get to sort of 20 through 24 and we sort of realised we all got excited a little bit too quickly. But it does feel like he's been around for a little while now, doing it every week for West Ham in the Premier League. Uh, I think it might be worth a, worth a punt. Colin, you, you're waving yeah, your um, finger at The me. other side of the coin is,
3: um, because we've got squad limits, we, uh, for Champions League and um, Premier League, we're allowed 17 foreign players and that's what we've got currently including Claudio Bravo, who we don't know. Um, for Premier League, we're allowed eight homegrown players generally. Champions League, four homegrown, guys, City grown, and four other association-trained players. So, if someone's coming in, who's going out?
2: Well, that's a good question. I mean, I'm always a fan of Declan Rice. What I love about him is, he, you know, when the ball comes to him, you can see that sort of silver, the way he looks 360 before he receives the ball. I'm not comparing him to Silver, by the way, because this is a young kid. I was surprised at how big he is. You know, when I saw him live when he was playing, I was trying to... I was putting the case forward to sign him last summer. There was a really good... podcast I was listening to and it was an Irish one and they were talking about Declan Rice and they were talking about the the owners of West Ham said that they were looking forward to the day that he's the captain of England and the captain of West Ham and they were laughing saying mate, it will be the captain of England and the captain of Manchester City <laughs> so, but what I did find was if you look down all these players there's a common theme there's a common theme just in position but there's also that common theme in the names that are cropping up so I don't know if you are putting two and two together to get five, but I'm feeling that we we could almost write the players
1: that are coming in. What do you reckon, Danny? Yeah, I'm kind of I'm still kind of mulling over what what Colin said there. Because it's all right for us it's like getting dead excited. Yeah, we want him, him and him, and then Colin brings us back down to earth. <laughs> who's going out? And I was kind of thinking. Who potentially is going out this summer? Because, I mean, obviously that is going to create the space for, you know, for somebody else to come in, particularly a, a, a foreign player, an overseas player. Uh, Vincent Company, you know, obviously that is a lot of, a lot of talk around maybe he's going to get another year, which, pray God, he does. Um, but... But I'm trying to think who would be out, out of that door. I mean, uh, the names that I give you there, Colin, I mean, if Wambasaka is going to be homegrown. Ben Chilwell would be homegrown. You know, if we're talking Declan Rice as opposed to someone like ondembele
3: that's from another homegrown. Yeah. Yeah. From a Premier League point of view, we can have eight homegrown players, whether the City or West Ham or whoever. So, so
2: who's, going going right. who's going out? Who's going out, guys? Know I'm going to be controversial here. Do you know could, we might see the back of Benjamin Mendy. And the, the reasons I yeah. say that I've got—I know you're looking at me. You're all looking at me, shaking heads, thinking no. But then you think about what he's brought to the team over the last couple of years. It's mainly a Twitter account. And well, look at Pogba—he's Pogba, doing all right.
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's no oxygen left in this room, then for I the intake. Of <laughs> breath, <right? laughs> what
2: I would say is you've got uh, Ben Mendy there, and don't get me wrong. When he's on song and he's playing well, he's one of the best left backs in the world. But you've got to ask yourself if Pep's got to invest in a left-back or if he's got to invest sort of emotionally in a left-back to play there and he's never there, what's the
1: point? I can't see it well. I can't see Benjamin Mendy going anywhere. Pep's a huge fan of him. He's backed him to bring him in at £50 million pounds. he's not I mean you think of it from a commercial perspective you've got you bought a guy in at £50 million, big wages he's virtually never pay, played then you sell him obviously you're going to have to sell him at a huge loss and he's still got massive unfilled, unfulfilled potential for me so I, I'd be amazed
4: if Ben Mendy was on that I list
1: surprised.
4: I, don't, I don't think Mendy's going but I think you're right I, I do think Mendy's been a bit of a, a misfit with the squad because as much as I love the guy and he's a huge personality I almost I have my suspicions that um Behind the cameras, uh, Pep Guardiola is not a massive fan uh, of Mendy's Twitter account. And I think, you know, he would much rather Mendy put as much work into social media as he is into getting fit and sit on the training ground. And I think that uh, I don't think we will sell him because I think it will be embarrassing for the City football group. It would be a commercial failure and misgiving. And equally, we've, we've not had a full season of Mendy to show his worth yet. So I think they'll be patient with him. Fabian Delft. Might be yeah. one. And as much as I love Delph and his versatility is, I, I do... Where is it Fabian Delph gone? Exactly. He's just slipped yeah. exactly
1: completely exactly. Yeah, yeah. off the radar, hasn't he? He's not involved in any of the travelling squads. He's
3: training, but he's not in the squad. You know, he's fit, but he's not in the squad. And you wonder, what uh, the, is he the guy? Is he signed. the name? First yeah. name on
2: the list. He signed his uh, exit pass, you know, with those uh, tackles. I remember he, did, he got away with one one week when he could have got a red. And he got the next week he did exactly the same. And Pep Guardiola must be looking on thinking, I need 11 men on the pitch. I don't need a wild card on there. And for all, as much as we love Fabian and, you know, the fun that he brings and the sort of down-to-worth Yorkshireness about him...
4: Pep Guardiola's looking at a bigger picture and there'll hmm. be clubs queuing up for Fabian Delph I love yeah. Fabian Delph he's my favourite city player putting that out now but open up your betting apps right now should Leeds United get promoted to the Premier League next year Joe will be a ready-made captain to go into that squad and we'd in make money on it, at Leeds
3: we paid £8 million for him we've had him for a couple of years mm-hmm. nothing on the books we sell him for £20 million. Nice profit to go into whoever we're buying next. Yeah, and he's still a good
1: age. I mean, he's another yeah, one. He's yeah. a little bit like Milner, where you feel like he's been around forever, but actually, he's he's, he's what is he late twenties? So he's still for a midfielder, I guess in the in the peak of his his powers. So uh, two two names we've got on on Twitter here that just made me laugh. Um, we've got Dan Healis or at Dan healis uh, put on to come in Sancho Brahim Messi and Dembélé. so bringing two of our old players back already I'm not sure I uh, buy
4: into that one too much well, well
3: it's, it's a model that works well across the city isn't it Ooh. Ooh.
4: It's, um, it'd be an interesting one Sancho but I think that, that ship has if I also I'm not really sure where Sancho would play at the minute because I would love uh, based on the news last week I'd love Gareth Bale I think he's going to be available this summer. It looks like that he's been sort of shown the door at Madrid. I think he's an absolutely wicked player. He's going to be wanting to win something uh, to the, me, three this year, I think, uh, Gareth Bale. So he's got to win something in England before his career ends. I would love Gareth Bale. I don't think it will ever happen. I
1: Stan Collymore today, he was talking about City should go in. For, no, I mean, generally, I don't listen to a word Stan Collymore says, but I, quite, I, I kind of thought, That'd be nice. It'd never happen, but that'd be nice. Virgil van Dyke. he's saying if we win the league this season, we'd, and, and Liverpool don't, we should go in for Virgil van Dyke. <laughs> well, Dijk. it'd be I'd great it.
3: for the banter, wouldn't it? Imagine
1: they? <laughs> him alongside Laporte, though, boys. Oof. Wow, he's, he's a great player, you know.
2: Uh, he's another one. I can't believe the size of him. You know, and he, he is a Rolls Royce. Again, I don't know how quick he is, because his positioning sense is that good. He never gets himself in trouble where he has to make those last-ditch tackles. He just seems to be in the right place at the right time. The new Bobby Moore? Well, captain of England, captain of West
4: Ham. <laughs> <laughs> uh, controversial one for the door. Uh, 28 years old, been uh, immaculate whenever he's played but can't hold down a starting position in the starting squad. Ilkay Gundogan. I think uh, he's a great player. There were rumours that he wasn't happy earlier in the season. You think if one of the big German clubs came in for him or even, say... You know, an Arsenal or a Tottenham, who are both looking for sort of central midfield players in the summer, um can say, Look, you could come and be a starting player. You know, I think Gundogan would be a yep. would be a great buy for so many clubs around the world. And Pep seems to not be too confident about playing them every week.
2: Is he only twenty
4: yeah. eight? Yeah, he's twenty eight.
2: He he's hold, he's he holding out on t- his contract, pay, pay yeah.
3: He's holding out on his contract, isn't he? And I think we'll be ruthless if if he's not signing this summer, he's yeah. out.
2: Yeah, you've got to do that. You've got to look after the club. I mean, as much as we're fans of the various different players, as Alex said, Fabian Delph, uh, you've got to look... Ultimately, we're Manchester City fans. We're not Fabian Delph fans, if you know what I mean.
1: Well, uh, that debate will rumble on long into the night, I'm sure, all over Manchester. But for us, the hour is over, boys. It is flown by. So uh, thank you uh, to Alex. Thanks to Colin. Thanks to Walter. Thanks to Sam Lee, who joined us as well.
4: Even on a budget,